0: I had heard of Sean Smith, but I hadn't really seen him in action. So I went to his website, it's called Point Blank International and uh, clicked on the video. And all of a sudden I found myself about a minute into the thing going, man, this is awesome. This guy was bringing it, talking about reaching his, uh, his area where he lives in the Bay Area, in San Francisco and Oakland Bay Area, talking about reaching that area for Christ. But man, Sean is all over the world. And uh, I am so excited for you to meet him today on Brave Men. I'm sitting here with uh, Chris Shields. We're in the uh, studios here in uh, downtown Colleyville, Texas. And uh, wherever you are in Colleyville is the downtown. Exactly. Yeah, because there's no defined, I Mm. guess, maybe where the library is, that could be the (laughs) downtown or something. But, uh, but you knew about Sean, you told me about him yes. and you go, man, this guy's awesome. So I went to a side and went, Oh my gosh, man.
1: Yes. I'll never forget. I heard him preach for the first time at Christ for the nations. And it was just powerful, you know, cause you have so many different, you have people that speak and then you have people that have demonstration of power yeah. and you know, yeah. when he spoke. you could see the difference in the room where the Holy Spirit just released through Mm. the words that he was speaking. And I was just like, man, this is someone that I want to tailor my ministry after. This is someone that I want to follow, you know, and um, just learn from. And that's why I was like, hey, Paul, (laughs) we have to. And
0: I also want to marry a wife that that preaches like his, his wife. wife yeah. Yes, Krista <laughs> is
1: amazing. She's a amaz- she's a powerhouse. Yeah, you know, she is. and that's a power couple. You know, it's
0: yeah. You know, i i get I get totally psyched up. You know, we do Christian Men's Network around the world, we're in over hundred nations, and I get so psyched up when I meet men who are younger than me, like this guy, who are raising up the next generation yes. also. So, uh, what is he, probably in his 40s or something, right? Yeah,
1: I would uh, say probably late 40s, early 50s. So, uh, dude, you can't say
0: early 50s about a guy if he's in his 40s. (laughs) That would be really rude, man. That was... So, uh... Chris, you're about to get fired again, man. <laughs> again? again? Man. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, but man, he's raising up the next generation. He's yes. got a bunch of young guys travel with him. They do stuff. It is Sean Smith's amazing. My name is Paul Lewis Cole, and we are here doing uh, Brave Men. Uh, because, not just because we want to introduce you to brave men. Yeah. The desire, really, is that we impart something that helps us become brave men exactly man and you nailed it chris when you said you you saw that guy and you go i want to be like him exactly you know and and that's what the writer of psalms david said i'll bring the godly of the land to my home uh and and make them our heroes my dad practiced that when he would bring men to our house and i'd be like dude i want to be like him yes you know i want to be a missionary like him. i want to preach like him
1: See, and another thing that really, you know, stands out is when you meet your hero. Oh, yeah. And how they respond to yeah, you. Yeah. And I'll never forget when I met Sean Smith, yeah. one of the humblest people that I've ever met. Because, I mean, I've got the honor and privilege of meeting a lot of, yeah. you know, well-known people. But then there's, cert- there's different levels of well-known people. Yeah. You have the people that care. And the people that want you to care about them.
0: Yeah. You know, it's a big difference. The people that are well-known and love being well-known. Exactly. You know, uh, Proverbs 27, which was, uh, we we're taping this on the 28th of the month, but uh, the 27th yesterday, reading Proverbs 27, uh, one of the scriptures that, it, and I used it in something we talked about yesterday afternoon was, it says, if you want to check a man's character, uh, let him become somewhat famous. Yeah, so good. <laughs> you know, It's like, let him have a little bit of fame. Exactly. Barber's 27. So uh, yeah, but this guy's the real deal. He I'm is. so excited for you to meet him, uh, to meet Sean Smith today on Brave Men. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis
2: Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey.
0: Hey, I'm with Sean Smith with Point Blank International, and I love that title. It it feels like uh, you know, like a Clint Eastwood movie, man. Point Blank, man. It's uh, like you're about firing the gospel, Sean. And I, I've seen your stuff. We have mutual friends, mm-hmm. and uh, but your heart burns for for revival and renewal, man. Where'd that stuff come from? Yeah, sure. This thing, like you're traveling all over the world speaking. You're ministering. Yes. I'm looking at your website, Point Blank International, uh, Sean Smith Ministries. And uh, this is fantastic. But, I mean, that stuff didn't just happen. Where did that come from, Sean? I, I think
2: two, two, two places. You know, right when I got saved, I had an encounter with God. I mean, people are led to Jesus by friends, maybe their mom and dad. I was led to Jesus by Jesus. It wow. blows people away. But uh, I woke up in the middle of the night after a night of immorality and partying and everything and Jesus is in my room. He speaks no. to me audibly. Yes. Wow. So I'm, I'm radically, dramatically safe. So this is the key. Uh, all revivals begin an encounter, because when you encounter Jesus, it's not about religion. It's about this relationship. But when you get a taste of that dimension, of that person, that glory, it's not enough. It's addictive in a holy way. Mm. You know, you want more. And then shortly thereafter, Uh, somebody handed me the book, Why Revival Terries by Leonard Ravenhill. I later spent a weekend with him, he and Martha in Lindell, Texas. But when I read that book, it burned. And what it began to do in me is I wanted to see, first of all, as many saved as I could possibly be a part of. And two, I wanted to see geographies lit with the glory of God. Mm. I wanted to see Jesus' name made famous on the lips of a generation. And, and I, I wrote in a, a, one of my first Bibles, I will give my life for this. And so the Lord burned this thing inside of me, Paul. It, it, it was rather solemn.
0: You know, it's, it sounds to me like an Emmaus Road experience. True. Where those guys in the King James version, the, these guys turned to each other after Jesus appeared to them. Which, again, I love. Again, it. I, I love. I love our Lord and Savior Jesus, but his earthly thing is he's like a real guy. Like, he just shows up and freaks these guys out. Just, and they go, didn't—and when he leaves, they're like, whoa, 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 that was him. And, and then one, the other one turns and says, didn't our hearts burn within us? Like, we felt something. When you talk about an encounter—see, you can argue theology, but you can't argue the fact that my heart changed. That's right. You know, how do you argue with Lazarus? <laughs> Kid, hey, dude! I was dead. I wasn't just dead. I was dead, dead. I was like three days, four days, right? Mm-hmm. Not just dead, as they say, in New Jersey. You're dead, dead. That's right. So you had an encounter with Christ. And how old were you when this happened? I was 21. I was getting ready to graduate from college. So I was
2: 21. Yep.
0: So you were you were uh, where were you in college? I was at the University of Pacific in uh, Northern California,
2: Stockton, California.
0: Okay. And so you're in Stockton, California, University of Pacific. So I mean you're at a that's a nice school, man. So obviously you grew up, you know, in a pretty nice area. No. <laughs> <I, laughs> Where did you grow I, up? Sean?
2: I grew up in the hood. Okay. Let talk. I grew up in the hood hood. Uh yeah, so there's
0: there's hood and then there's hood hood, yeah. Hood
2: hood. I grew up in West Oakland.
0: Wow. Uh, and I grew up I grew
2: up in uh challenging situation. My mom and dad uh They were not married. They met at a nightclub. I didn't see my dad till I was five, and then tragically, my dad was murdered when I was nine. He didn't commit a crime. He didn't look like anyone commit a crime. Uh, It was proven in court as racially motivated. He was murdered by police officers, Mm. and uh, so there was awards monies given that can only be used for education at that time. They set that stipulation, and so I majored and wanted to major and did in computer engineering. So I went to the University of Pacific at that time. Like I wanted to stay on the west coast. So, but it was providential because it was there, of course, uh, two things happened. One, you know, I, I had this incredible encounter that I talked about, but it, it was while I was there as well, that there was an awesome campus ministry. I was able to be a disciple because I'm, I'm a big discipleship guy. And yeah. There are a lot of people that can have an encounter with God or make a commitment. But if you're, there's not discipleship, an ongoing uh, place where you can be cultivated in terms of your character and all that stuff. A lot of times you you fail to stay in that place. You need to be with the Lord.
0: Wow. You know, I want to come back and hit that. Uh, You grew up in West Oakland and you grew up in an era where it was, uh, you know, I mean, it was, uh, there were a lot of um, gangs and I mean, there still is everywhere, but I mean, it was uh, the era of gangs. It was the era of the, the black uh, free, the free speech movement, the black Panthers. I mean, yep. all right. I mean, am yes. I? So, so there's just turmoil everywhere around you as you're growing up.
2: Yeah. I, it was. It's funny you should say gangs. I used to run for gangs. I tell people in my neighborhood, you either were part of a gang or you ended up running track in high school. I ran <laughs> track because I'm running for gangs because uh, even though my dad is not in the house, I, I'm raised Dude, That's by- a great line. I was raised by a Southern black grandmother from Dumas, Arkansas. So she did not play. I tell people, if you don't know my grandma, just think of Medea off Diary of a Mad Black Woman. That was my grandmother, and she was not playing. Uh, she was. She has a. She had a profession. It was a disciplinarian. But, so, uh,
0: so in other words, your your grandma would make Tyler Perry look soft.
2: No doubt. And so, yeah. my grandmother early on, she was an alcoholic, raising me. But when I got to high school, she went to a small storefront Pentecostal Holiness Church in Lake Merritt, got saved, came back, broke all her alcohol bottles. Wow. And so that, that transformation is what put the seed inside of me that man, if Jesus could do that, he's real, he's powerful, does care about my family because that was one thing that I wanted for my grandmother. You know, she was never abusive to me, quite the opposite. She was very functional. Yeah. But I I'd, I'd have to come home and help her to bed or clean up. Or, or whatever, because she would she make sure I was taken care of, then she would drink and pass out. That, that happened every day. But when she got saved, she never drank again that wow. she prayed for me, prophesied over me, wow. laid hands on me. And I, I think that's the reason why I got saved.
0: You know, that's that's the uh, that's the Timothy thing, you know, who was raised by his mother and his grandmother. And Paul comes along and, and becomes a a mentor and a and a uh, ministers into his life. So you didn't have somebody like that right then. You had your grandma who who prayed for you, and and uh, and you saw her life radically change. Right I saw my grandma's life
2: radically right, right in front of me. She so what, uh, she walked, caught the bus, came back, broke all her alcohol bottles. I looked at her, and I'm, you know, I'm in high school, so you, you're a junior in high school. You think you got the cure to cancer, you know? Yeah, what I mean. right. Yeah, you. So I'm, I'm. thinking, okay, grandma, you 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 probably need to do a twelve step. You're probably going to go back. It's a fad. And she looked at me without me saying a word. She said, Grandma, don't need to take 12 steps. Grandma just needs to take one step to Jesus. He set me free. And I watched her life. And from that point on, my heart was warm towards Jesus and the things of God. Because wow. growing up, it, two things. When, when people said Father God, Father was like very foreign to me and it wasn't a good experience. So that concept did, wasn't a concept of endearment. And then when they said Father God loves you, everyone that said they love me either died on me or walked out on me.
0: Wow! Except for
2: my grandma, and so she Jesus flipped the narrative in my grandma. And so man, that she was an amazing woman, and she she would she would prophesy over me, she would speak over me. She said, "Boy, you're gonna be a preacher," and I'm like, "Oh no, I, I wouldn't say that to her because I didn't want to disrespect her." She would she'd pick up a biscuit now and hit me upside my head, but. Uh, you know, she was right. She
0: was right. Thank you, Lord. Isn't that something? You know, it's, it's amazing how much impact we have on people's lives when, when we don't even realize it. It's true. It's a kind word, a strong word. a uh, You know, like, hey, son, you know, you're, you know, it's a, uh, I've got a, a dear friend, close friend, Dwayne Pickett, who pastors a New Jerusalem church in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. And we were talking about the attack on young uh, men of color. Mm-hmm. And uh, of the enemy trying, you know, just there's this like concerted, like your dad getting shot, you know, and it's a racially right. motivated police shooting. And that stuff happened when Dwayne was growing up growing up all the time. and You know, Dwayne and I were talking about that. He said one of the issues in, in the culture, in the urban culture today is that it used to be grandfathers on the front porches. Mm-hmm. And it used to be grandpas that say, hey, son, come here. And they would, mm-hmm. they would take interest in each other. And he said today the grandpas still want to be players. You know what? Wow, that's, that's I said, that's I nice. said, Dwayne, that's the Viagra syndrome. <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's a chemical thing, man. They think they still got it. Sounds you know, so so you grew up, going to University of the Pacific, but then now this, I just want this one to come back to. So you grow up in this tumultuous thing. I mean. You know, uh, I, I mean, you were there in the, the Richmond riots. You were there during stuff that happened all through Oakland. You saw stuff happen in San Francisco, all that, that whole Bay Area, San Jose, crazy mm-hmm. stuff, which is actually, if I'm not mistaken, that's where your dad got shot. Is that right? Right, San Jose, California. Yes. So all the tumult of the 70s and 80s and, and every, all the changes and things that were going on, you grew up in that. You go to the University of Pacific, mm-hmm. Christ meets you there. Right. Then, But then somebody began to help you reframe your world. What does that yeah. look like to help somebody do that? What happened to you, and how do we do that for men today, Sean?
2: You know, I think it's so important because I think you can have an encounter. Uh, you can make a commitment to Christ, but without discipleship, uh, you know, Ecclesiastes is better than one that receive a better yeah. reward for their labor but then it goes on to say that if one falls down the other one can pick them up and i think in life life comes at you hard and hits often and so you need to have some people that can lift you up but in addition to that i think you know you think about it well we we train our bodies we work out we train our minds we we go to school get degrees certificates but then when it comes to the things of god we become kind of uh you know, casual. We're not as intentional. But I think discipleship is about having an older believer speak into your life, challenge you, help you to grow. And kind of like, you know, we see people that have business mentors. We see people that have, you know, if they're in the industry, that they may have uh, industry mentors. We need to have people that are able to walk before us and to see the blind spots uh, in our lives. Yeah, they say, you know, you're driving your car, Paul, and you have the side uh, uh view mirror rear view mirror yeah. and uh you have a side mirror but in that little panel in the back of your car that's called the blind spot you you could have an 18 wheeler there and sometimes Jesus needs someone to turn around and go oh no man don't go in that lane and there's somebody wow. over there and we need some we need some people like that that will care for our souls so I had a guy by the name of Donnie Moore I uh, use my campus faster and he would uh sit down and we would probably three times a week, we'd sit right across from me in the middle of the student union. We'd open up the Bible, we'd pray and he would kind of just go right through scripture and show really? me things and speak it on my life. And to this day, I've got an accountability guy that we ask each other those questions. How are we doing? Are we, are we walking in purity? How our are marriages are doing? And to know that I, I'm going to get on a phone with a brother weekly, if not bi-weekly, you know, or twice a week, I should say. Yeah. Uh, it, it it helps keep you straight when you know you have to answer to somebody and look somebody in the eye you know
0: man no kidding man that's that's uh you know sometimes people go well accountability you know that's a man it's too harsh and it's man it's like no no no. that's called freedom because now it's, it's my it's brotherhood that's right really what we're talking about is brotherhood and and uh and it's and it's here's what a brother does he say, hey man, how you doing? And and our normal response is a guy is hey, I'm good. And then uh a brother says, No, how you doing, really? Right. And then the art of conversation is actually in the listening. That's right. So uh, man, to listen, but he took you to the word and he walked right through the Bible. Yeah. Because here's kind of first, taught me. Yeah, here's first John one nine. Here's what that means. And here's I mean, just the basics, right? Here's the yes. Roman road. Here's yes. this. And then probably as important as any of those things, and
2: I think a generation is missing that because I think in, in the North American church is missing the component of discipleship. And we've gone away, and, and I think in an effort to make our churches more user-friendly, <laughs> uh, we've kind of unplugged, you know, Sunday schools, Wednesday nights, uh, Sunday nights— uh, discipleship, and uh, I think what happens is my discipleship, as important as it was, he pulled out the word and prayed for me. He modeled something, and I saw something in his life that made walking with the Lord, walking in holiness and purity attractive. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw a model of a guy that would witness to anything that moved. You know, I saw a guy that uh would, was generous and would give, and I, I, I didn't understand generosity. You know, coming up. It was all about you get what you can, you can what you get. Grab and, uh, what you can get, yeah. Yeah. And so he modeled that. You know, it's Second Timothy 2.2. Uh Paul said, Timothy, things that I've done before you and trust these things of faithful men will also be able to uh, teach others. So it was four generations of intentional discipleship. And no one in the early church exploded because it wasn't so much they had a user-friendly uh, approach to a message. It was that they knew how to disciple and and plant the seed. Where now we didn't just catch fish. We taught you how to be fishers of men, which is what Jesus said to Peter and the boys, disciples.
0: Yeah, you know, we've got uh, one of our board members, uh, Pastor Eddie Leo, in uh, Jakarta, Indonesia. He calls it the one wow. another lifestyle. Ooh. He says he says we're called to love one another. He said so. It's one another. That's how we live. He said before. God was anything else. He was God in community. And, uh, you know, I look at this, uh, I've got a friend who, uh, uh, who said this to me a while back. He said, you know, we, we, re, you know, we re-engineered our churches. You call it user-friendly. Some people would call it seeker model. Right. I have no problem with that in one sense, but I think that model has to shift again because I don't think men are seeking. I think they're running. Yeah. No, it's I don't think most men are seekers in our day and age. I think they're runners. Oh, that's good. And so they're finding all these different distractions to assuage the fact that they'll never become what the core of their hearts said they should become.
2: So good, Paul. So they're dealing
0: with the shame and the pain of not measuring up. And what do you do then? Well, you yes. either back off, and at the age of 40, you become just an old man who's never going to do anything else except a job you never wanted in the first place, but you only got the job because it was a friend of yours who, had a, who knew about an opening, and so you're there 20 years. Now you got no other place to go, so you just go there, and your heart dies, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's where Jesus is so amazing, Sean. I love what you guys are doing with, uh, I want to get into this, uh, I Am Your Sign, because this is a Jonathan, thing. Yes. He's one of my favorite cats. Hey, this is Chris. Let's take a moment real quick
1: in the middle of this great conversation to remind you how to get in touch with Paul and Christian Men's Network and the Global Fatherhood Initiative. You can find all the resources for mentoring and fatherhood at cmn.men. That's cmn.men. Christian Men's Network does special events across America and around the world. You can find all the information at cmn.men. Click on Events. We also have tremendous resources for churches with special discounts for groups on that website. Everything a church needs from A to Z to mentor and disciple men of all ages and backgrounds. Now, let's get back to this powerful interview between Paul and Sean Smith.
0: Point Blank International is Sean, Sean Smith Ministries.com. and you can get the tools. In fact, there's a very cool video. Uh, I wanna, in fact, I wanna edit the on the back of this. Is that all right with you? Okay, sure. Absolutely. So when David edits this, we'll, we'll stick that on the back. Cause that thing's hot, man. It talks about uh, what kind of nation is this and, you know, get a heart not only for America, but for the world. But man, I'm telling you until that guy comes along in, and the fact is, is that uh, when the pupil is ready, the teacher will appear as sort of an Eastern thing. I I don't think that's true. I think the teacher has to go find some guys. Hey, I like that. I mean, Jesus did. I, yeah, Jesus chose them. He prayed all night. And in fact, here's the other thing, Sean, about that that I love, is he didn't just take whoever showed up. He goes, no, 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 no. Here's the guys. <laughs> you, you. And he chose the guys that he was going to disciple, and, and, uh, and they were jacked up. I mean, they were, dude, they were, so, I mean, the book of Acts, right? They were so racist. If you were Gentile, you could not get in, Right? And, and yeah. really, until the church blew up in the late 60s, 69 AD, when Jerusalem got ransacked, they still had issues. And then they all had to meet just before that, and they had this meeting. And, you know, but God used, God used regular people that's right. to change the world. And that's your message, Sean. Now, your wife yes. is involved in this also, and your children. You've got two kids. Yes, I've got two
2: kids, Brandon and Brittany, and my son. Is a, uh, he does two things. He's a youth pastor down in Southern California, as well as a junior varsity basketball coach. And then my daughter is the uh, assistant uh, events coordinator for Jesus Culture, which is a church. They also have a worship team, but they're a church in Sacramento. So both of them. And then my wife, Krista Smith, she travels, she preaches, she's finishing a book uh, for ladies, uh, actually wow. for, for for uh She's, she's actually writing a book to singles in general. So actually, not ladies. There'll be something later. But, uh, so uh, really enjoy, enjoy that. And, and here's something, Paul, that I think is it, kind of this thought of my college years, discipleship and revival. Yeah. Uh, we sometimes get words twisted because they're synonymous, but in the, the uniqueness of each word is something very, very clear in something that sometimes can be watered down let me give you an example the words normal and typical you go to a Mm. doctor check your throat you stethoscope cough you you got a fever you're coughing so they say what you have is normal well that's not true what they're saying is what you have is typical of someone that has your condition it's not normal compared to a healthy person wow i feel like What discipleship did, being exposed to a man that was going at heart after God and then other people, Mario Murillo and others that that took me under their wing, is that I began to see a new normal. And that's what I really think this whole season of of what God is doing in the midst of COVID-19 is God has given the church a reset button and a new normal. So here's what I'm saying. We look around at how people walk out their Christianity and we go, oh, that's normal. No, it's not normal compared to the book of Acts. It's normal compared to North American or other nations that have maybe watered down a standard of Christianity. And I'm not a negative person, so I'm I'm not taking a big, huge shot at, at it. But it's typical. And so what God does in revival, he gives us a new glimpse of what normal ought to look like because we've lost sight. And so what the book of Acts was, was life on life transmission So they were immediately exposed that this is Book of Acts, apostolic standard Christianity. And so Christianity was never meant to be a vacuum. It was never meant to be, hey, it's just me and God. We're doing our own thing. Hey, find, find your truth. It's my narrative. All these modern euphemisms get away from the fact that church is about community and it's about a normal, it's about a standard. And there's a gap between our visible reality and the biblical reality available. And the gap in between is what I believe the incentive of all revivalists. The hunger of every revival says, This is my visible reality. This is the biblical reality of what is available. I can't stay here. There's something in me that burns to go to this place of the fullness, because uh, I can't stay back in what I've got if more is available to me.
0: That's I'm just I'm taking notes, man. By the time when I <laughs> preach this sermon, man, I'm gonna look like a genius, bro.
2: Come on, son. You bro. I, I got I got one from you, man, about Timothy being raised by his grandmother yeah. and his mama, man. So
0: okay. but this whole thing, a new normal, man, that thing's hot. Yes. That that's where we have to be. Uh, I was talking to Larry Osborne the other day, and we were talking about the book of Acts, and he said, he's got all these pastors that he leads, and they also I want a book of Acts church. And he and he goes, You know, they are most of them got killed, right? <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> You know, you know most of those guys lost everything. You do know that, right? You know you want that, and um, but a new normal is uh, a passion for Christ that actually takes on Christ, His holiness, His love for others, His compassion, right. His inner strength. Because Jesus, Jesus was a hey. Here's a here's one. I just thought of this, man. Jesus was a West Oakland guy because that's what Nazareth was very true nazareth nazareth was a city on a on a freeway mm. nobody stopped only stopped in nazareth in order to get supplies and stuff it was on a major trading route and that's exactly what oakland was oh man right i grew up i grew up in some apartments right next to the 580 freeway
2: so you're speaking my language man
0: so that's what so jesus grew up in a, in a west oakland setting right? Yeah. He, he grew up right. under terrorist occupation. Mm. Uh, he had all these things. His, his dad passes away somewhere in his youth. He takes over the family business. He wasn't a carpenter with, you know, a little finish hammer and some nails. He was a stonemason. That's that's what that was in those days. Uh, they didn't have wood houses. They were made of rocks. And mm. He was a husky guy with calluses and that's right. So, so my Jesus, man, you know, it's, uh, I think about that. Was it uh, L.D. Lockett? Was it Lockett's? That's my, G, that's my king? Oh, yes,
2: yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you know, I
0: think of that. But my Jesus, like, this guy beat up guys in church. <laughs> Straight up, yeah. Right? And I think that's it right. happened more than twice. They recorded twice. And if you read it parallel, it's not the same occasion. So it happened more than once. So I think maybe that's why he had a treasurer. And uh so there's 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 that Jesus, but the same guy, that same strength, inner strength of him was the one able with those with those tough hands, able to be compassionate to a woman caught in sin. Wow. Wow. Right? So that's that's the Jesus that you're preaching. It's that mm-hmm. fully orbed. And, and Jonah, your guy, Jonah, I am your sign, which comes from Jonah saying, uh, they say, what's the sign that you come from? He goes, I am your sign. That's right. You
2: know, it's funny. These uh, Pharisees and Sadducees thought they would catch Jesus. Like, those dudes never learn. They're like the old school wily e. Coyote. You just, yeah. You're not going to get roadrunner. Give it up. He's too fast for you. But they thought they would catch, catch him in a trick. So they said, show us a sign. Well, Mm. Jesus just got finished healing a guy who was blind and mute. So imagine the worst life in the world is you can't lead yourself around. By the way, he's also demonized. You can't tell anybody about it. So there's no intercourse in terms of dialogue, in terms of sharing with anyone. Jesus sets this guy free. He's right next to Jesus as these guys are saying, show us a sign. So people have erroneously taken that passage and said that we shouldn't believe for the miraculous. No, that that wasn't a statement when Jesus said no sign of evil. What he's saying is, is that if a sign was all it took for you to believe, you would have believed. So what you're saying now is that you don't want a genuine sign to come to faith. You want Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey's circus. I'm not going to give you that. But he says every generation will get this sign. He says, it says in a Luke account, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth. But I believe Jesus could have likened himself to Moses and, and Israel coming out of Egypt, Daniel coming out of the Lion's Den. Why Jonah? And then just reading this whole thing and kind of the crux, Paul of I Am the Sign is simply this. I've always, I, I used to always believe that the book of Jonah was just about a, a rebellious prophet that finally got his act together. And of course, a severely wicked, um, barbaric civilization. The Ninevites get saved, but then I begin to realize, no, the Book of Jonah is really more about the heart of the Father, to wow. say that I'll take rebellious vessels and a hardened people and still bring about my sovereign purposes of revival and awakening. And it, it's amazing. And when Jesus says, "No sign to be given," the whole premise of the book is. I believe that God will bring that type of catalytic witness to every civilization, to every nation. Come on. And I'm, 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 I'm convinced there will be a third Great Awakening. I'm convinced the greatest number of people that will ever give their life to Christ are about to give their life to Christ. I believe the greatest signs and wonders era that the church has ever seen is about to go off like end-of-the-night Disneyland fireworks. I mean, we're going to see it all. And that's not just like the thing to say that just to kind of get hype. Yeah it's it's biblically based i mean I, I i feel like i've i've kind of in my heart developed a theology for revival and harvest and so i'm convinced of this thing man i i believe we're going to see it you and i are going to see this thing.
0: i think we're going to see it i think the greatest churches haven't been built yet here's here's my contention right. with uh, academics and theologians because i do agree we live in a postmodern world and and you're mm-hmm. i mean you're a graduate student you 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 know, you understand the, the greater concepts of stuff. And we live in a postmodernity is what it's called. Yes, sure. In a postmodern world. But, but most people also couple that with uh, postmodern, post-Christian. And frankly, how could you be post-Christian if you've never been Christian?
2: Oh, <laughs> I love that. That's
0: good. We never lived in a Christian nation. And we lived in a nation That's in right. which there were people who understood moral law, and that came right. out of the great revivalists of, of England that broke away from uh, the dogma of an institutionalized Pharisaical church. So now right. they break away. They, they establish, say, okay, we've got to have moral law. And so America, where you and I live, the United States, is, is built on the sense of moral people will uphold these laws. And, but if we don't have a moral center, then we no longer begin to uphold the laws, which is where the nation's breaking down. So I don't believe we're post-modern, post-Christian. I think we're post-modern, pre-Christian. Oh, I love that. I think, Sean, because of men like you and your wife, Krista, and your son and, and uh, daughter, I, th- I believe that the greatest days of the church are ahead of us. And in fact, you know, people pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. But I'm saying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, but wait a while. Yeah. Because there are not enough people saved, not enough m- of my neighbors. Now, all the neighbors I live around now, we've all— they're all followers of Christ now, so so that's awesome. Come but on. but there's too many neighbors. There's too many people who um, who aren't. So why would I say, "Come, Lord Jesus"? Because I'm in. Right? How selfish is that, Sean? Right? So
1: Agreed. it's like, "Come, Lord Jesus," okay.
0: but but give but put, put Sean on YouTube in front of 20 million people, man. You know what I'm Come saying? On. That's that's my yeah. prayer is. God, you know, you gave us this stuff. Look at what's happened with this coronavirus crisis. That's right. That's right. Joel Osteen, I talked with his executive pastor yesterday. I'm speaking for their leadership team on Saturday. Awesome. Joel Osteen had, for Easter, check this out, man. Joel Osteen had 30 million people watch his services over a three day period. That's crazy. One out of every, essentially, one out of every 11 Americans. If well, Wherever they were around the world, man, it's right, 30 million, right, right. much less right. the, the ones that watched Pierre Duplessis and watched you and watched uh, this church and that church and all of our great friends who, have, who are pastors. and I, yeah. I, I, Every pastor I talk to goes, dude, it's unbelievable, man. I got all these people. in Mike. I got a guy in a little friend of mine, Mike, in Elma, Washington. I don't know how many people in Elma. It might be 1,800. 1600 in his city, and it's not like in a metropolis area. It's out in the country, and he's got he doesn't he didn't have any production. He's got an iPad, and he stands in front of the iPad and preaches. True story. And his music team's back here on the on the platform. They do music, and the sound system just plays into the iPad. And then Mike preaches, and they've had people say it, and they've had like 2400 people come through their services. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, I'm telling you, man, God gave us this stuff, Sean. And I, and I love, man, you are so captivating on video, dude. I watched your video and your wife's like, she was like, where did you guys meet?
2: Man, you ready for this? And it, 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 to me, it's God. Lou Engel does these prayer I know Lou. called The Call. Yeah. Yep. Great friend of mine. I was on staff with him. He did a uh, The Call uh, San Francisco at Candlestick. Back, remember, back in '49, I used to play at Candlestick before they moved to Levi Stadium. Yeah, I was there. And uh, uh, well, he asked uh, me to pray for the purity of men in the Bay Area. He asked Krista wow. to pray for the purity of the women in the Bay Area, and then a good friend of ours, Pastor Charles Stock, uh, out in uh, Harrisburg, asked him to kind of, as a former Bay Area guy, he kind of. Was a pastoral covering and father, and he kind of repented a little bit of the sins of the uh, hippies. Yeah. But he got caught up in the Jesus people movement in an awesome way, and so we we met at a at a prayer concert, so to speak, and and it was platonic, but it just grew, you know, our friendship, and then uh, God, you know, did the thing really? that God so does. You guys you, met on the kids.
0: stage. So you guys met on the stage of the call. Yeah, that's incredible, yeah. man. Yep. Yeah. Hey, uh, Sean, unbelievable stuff, man. Thank you so much for taking the absolutely. time and uh, for spending time with us together here. And it's absolutely fantastic, man. And uh, we pray every place that you put your feet is holy ground, and every thing you put your hands to will prosper, and that you and Crystal will be kept deep in the favor of his love. And I thank the Lord for your ministry. And uh, you've got Amen. books, Let's materials, Sean. SeanSmithMinistries.com.
2: Yep. Or yeah, pointblankinternational.org,
0: no, either one of those. They'll and
2: pointblankinternational.org.
0: Okay. Yeah. And we'll find you. Hey, we're going to stay connected, man. I got your phone number. I got your details. Oh, good, good. Awesome.
2: Let's
0: we're going to stay connected, all. man. This is great. Thanks, bro. Hey, appreciate you, man. Bless you, oh, man. Bless you, man. We'll see you. Bye.
1: Bye. I love the transparency of Sean Smith.
0: He's just the real deal. Yeah, no kidding. He, you know, and uh, the books he's written, the things he's done – He is the real deal, but he's lived it, man. I mean, his story is remarkable. And where he's come from, where he is today, um, you know, just everything. You just look at that and you go, okay, dude, this is what what I want to see happen to young men out of the cities. You know, we look at the stuff happening across America, whether or not, you know, something's happening when you listen to this podcast, there's always something happening. Exactly. You know, but in the midst of all that, in the midst of chaos... It's so good to 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 have the hope and to have the sense that you know what, this is what can happen to young men and young women, you know, come in young women come out of there and just go, you know what, you know I've got a I've got a new hope I've got a dream, you know I love that whole picture, and it shows
1: that we one we need more people like him,
0: Wow. and two
1: the reality of what Bishop Del Browner was saying yesterday to mm-hmm. us about the reality of the difference between a teacher and a father. Mm-hmm. And you see Sean Smith as a father because you see his heart walking yeah. around in other people.
0: Yeah. Paul the Apostle said this. He said to the church at Corinth, he said, you have ten thousand instructors, but not many fathers. Exactly. And the difference is an instructor gives you what he knows. Yes. But a father gives you who he is. Exactly. An instructor will kind of send you out, but a father walks with you. Exactly. You know, so, uh, yeah, that's what I, I mentioned right at the start, man. That's what I love about what's happening with this guy's exactly. ministry. I'm behind it, man. I'm supporting this guy. And uh, this is why we do Brave Men. Uh, I had a call the other day from uh, my friend Mike Mueller up in uh, Elma, Washington. And he had just listened to the Jim Garlow uh, episode. Yes, and he just called. He said, man, I just have to tell you. He said, I've been listening to these podcasts and it is absolutely stirring me up. Exactly. Getting me fired up and, and getting me cranked up. And we've had so many great men on and so many guys that we've got coming up in the future. You exactly. Know? I am I really am excited about it. Me too. And mm. I'm
1: just excited about seeing the impact. You know. And it's like, you look out nowadays and you see dark days, but mm-hmm. we can sit here and be confident believing in faith that light days are com- are coming, you know. Yeah. Bright days are ahead of us, you know.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, Chris Broussard, you know, our friend that's with um, with uh, Fox Sports, he was with ESPN, yeah. and uh, but with Fox Sports, Insider, with the NBA, get the national radio and stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, being a brave man isn't just doing it in public, but it's raising his daughters. So good, yep right private talked about Mm -hmm. yeah private philosophy determines public performance exactly what a man is in private is what he becomes in public and you know we've talked about it before you know that prayer in private makes you bold in public exactly you know and sean smith is indicative of that it is and i appreciate that and that's where you and i as men and those of us listening to this need to go we need to go after you know the fight Uh, be who we're supposed to be, become everything God wants us to be, and press in, man. Let's go after this thing. I want to thank you for uh, being a part of Brave Men today. Hey, please do this. Please uh, hit the subscribe button somewhere on your device, and then also share this with others, because uh, every time I get a new person that writes into Chris or I... They're like, man, I didn't, I didn't know this before. You've already got fifty some episodes out. I hadn't heard it, but I'm so excited to find it now. So and share it with somebody.
1: I would also encourage you to write a review. Tell us, oh, yeah. you know, what you, how this is impacting your life.
0: But only a good review. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we can handle both. <laughs> Who's this Chris guy? <laughs> uh, no, we can handle both, and, and in fact, if if you go to our Facebook. Paul Lewis Cole or you go to Christian Men's Network and you write something on there that, that's a question we'll answer it yes and if it's a critique we'll answer that yes and if it's swearing we'll pray for that we'll pray for that and then we'll delete that one <laughs> we have deleted some F-bombs <laughs> yes. but hey you know that comes with the territory I'm, I'm good with that exactly. hey thanks for being with us today on Brave Men you know hope is alive hope has a name hope's name is Jesus Jesus You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul
2: Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.